needs didn't. It's time to take back your health safely. And just like always, Ohio Health is here to help you do it. Visit OhioHealth.com to find out more. Ready to check homeownership off your bucket list, but worried you can't afford it? The Ohio Housing Finance Agency is here to help. We offer down payment assistance and discounted interest rates to recent Ohio college grads, teachers, nurses, veterans, and more. Not a first-time home buyer? We've got a program for you, too. Find out if you qualify at MyOhioHome.org. That's MyOhioHome.org. Homeownership, ready when you are. Sponsored by the Ohio Housing Finance Agency, aired by the OAB and this station. Hi, I'm Kim. And this is Ruth. Please join us every Wednesday morning on 970 WATH to make it happen. It's the Kim and Ruth Show. Well, it's really not, it's the, not the Kim and Ruth Show. show. It's really... <laughs> I don't know. Tune in to Make It Happen with Kim and Ruth every Wednesday morning at 10.06. And we'll spend time talking about health and wellness topics. And all aspects of healthy living. But we know that you're the real expert in your health, so let us help you make it happen. Wednesday morning on 970 WATH to Make It Happen. With 10 years of professional lawn care experience, tackling yards for residents and business alike, mowing expert Joey Daniel wants to make your lawn look its best this summer. Joey Daniel Lawn Care Services take pride in using the best equipment available and services including mowing, trimming, yard waste pickup, and seeding, all at affordable prices. Call Joey Daniel for a free quote at 740-707-2491. References are available. Stay out of the heat and skip worrying about your lawn this summer. Call Joey Daniel Lawn Care Services today, 740-707-2491. Hi, it's Randy and Boots from the Auto Smarts Radio Network. And why should you listen to our show on this station? Well, Boots is a man of many talents and has knowledge you won't believe. Just listen. Hey, Boots, what's your favorite thing to talk about? Cars. Rick Ocasek was the lead singer of what band? The Cars. What was Gary Newman's biggest selling song? Cars. Who was the all-time leading scorer in Notre Dame basketball history? Car. That's right, Austin Carr. Anything you'd like to add? Cars, cars, cars. 57 Chevy. Cars, That's Auto cars, Smarts. Friday cars, afternoons cars, at 106 cars, on 970 cars, WATH and 97.1 FM. That's a 57 Chevy. Cars, cars, cars. Fair celebrates life. If you're facing an end-of-life situation, Fairhope Hospice and Palliative Care. It is never too soon to call. Fairhope is here to listen. You don't have to face it alone. Fairhope cares for your loved one where they live. Or, during times of stress, the Pickering House is a serene setting providing relief for the patient. To learn more about Fairhope's care from the heart, please call 1-800-994-7077. Fairhope Hospice, we celebrate life. Hello, it's John Kozik, founder and president of TurboTrack Realty, and I buy houses as is, fast for cash. Call me today for an all-cash offer on any of your properties, and we can close within days at 614-362-2000-362-2000. Do you own a property that's outdated and needs thousands of dollars in repairs? Great, I'll buy it. I'm a private real estate investor who can solve your real estate problems fast for cash. Do you want to sell and just be done with it? Okay, great. I buy vacant properties, boarded up houses, pre-foreclosures, and inherited properties. I also buy apartment buildings, rental portfolios, divorce homes. I even buy my tenant won't pay me the rent houses. I look forward to solving your real estate problems today. Give me a call for an all-cash offer at 614-362-2000. 
Well, I'm glad you asked me that question. You know, I've been coaching here at NF Tech ever since 1937, and I know that all the fine fans out there know what a real consistent, fine record we have here at our school. And what is that record, Coach? Well, as a matter of fact, uh, we've been playing uh, 17 different sports here at the school, and uh, we're still looking for our first victory. And I'll be back with Coach Art Turf in just a moment. And the Art Turf Show is proudly brought to you by Sweat Wicking Underwear that eliminates moisture quickly so you can stay dry even when you're working up a real sweat and you're going to need them the next few days. Visiting with Coach Art Turf, head football coach at NF Tech and athletic director. Don't want to mispronounce any of my titles. I not only am I the head coach, but I am the athletic director responsible for all the athletic programs here at NF Tech. You have to wear several hats when you're in a school such as this, don't you, Coach? Well, that'd be fine, but I ain't got but one. Coach, I know your fall practice has just been completed, and tell us what type of uh, practice you had leading into this season. Well, we had a fine practice. You know, we got some fine boys trying out for the team this year. We got some fine offensive players. We got some fine defensive players, and we got some fine boys playing on the special teams. So what we're going to have and all the fans are going to see when they come to our ball games this year is a fine ball team. Do you have many players returning from last year? Well, as a matter of fact, we got most of the boys what was on our real consistent team from last year, especially our captain, good old Needles Norgan. Folks are going to find out about him a little bit later on. He's our ninth-year senior. He adds stability to our program, and he is going to be the anchor of our fine team this year. Coach, you told me a moment ago that uh, you were still uh, uh, looking for that uh, first win. You, of course, had reference to this season, didn't you? Well, no, uh, but I do want to point out that there ain't no coach in the nation what can match my consistent record, all dating back to 1937. We've been playing 11, 17 different sports, and, and uh, I do want to point out to all the fans that just as soon as we win our first ball game this year, and we are going to win our first ball game this year, and then when we win another, then we will have won too. Be listening again, sports fans, for the next thrill-packed interview with the head coach of the Fighting Oysters of Inept Tech, the coaching legend in his own mind, the one and only Coach Art Turf. In our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H. As you look ahead this week, any comments about sweating and all of that are in order. 70 right now. Going to climb to 290, 92 tomorrow, 94 Wednesday, 94 Thursday. Woo! Be careful out there, folks. Pace yourself. Don't need any of these heat stroke things going on. It is August 23rd, folks. That's right, August 23rd. And um, let's see here. What, what's notable about this date? A couple things. National Ride the Wind Day. Now, <clears throat> that may be a little more complicated this year because as I look ahead on the uh, temperature thing and all of that, they don't really mention too much wind until Friday. But uh, anyway, National Ride the Wind Day. National Sponge Cake Day, that's all right. National Cuban Sandwich Day, I go to Seoul for those. What about you, Scott, and yesterday, eh? Uh, yeah. You, well, I'll turn your mic there, on. There, I that's the I right missed, one. I forgot. <laughs> What's up? Yesterday was uh, National Be an Angel Day. How about that for a Sunday? A what? A National Be an Angel. Oh, Be an Angel. Be an Angel. I thought you were doing initials of something. 
E N, mm. but then I get it. Yeah. Okay. It's also National Tooth Fairy Day, or it was. Uh, yesterday was also Never Been Better Day. B E A N. What's What's that about? I uh, would guess it would have something to, to do, do with beans. Beans. Okay. Yeah. And uh, National B A O Day. I think that's guess that would be better than National B O Day. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to give you such a tough list. Well, it, it's, but it, it's your list is a little weird today. Yeah, like like I said before, I don't write them; I just read them. Okay. <laughs> National Surgical Oncologist Day. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, and National Pecan or Pecan, or you prefer Tort day well whatever it is it is (laughs) whatever it was it was folks by the way you know we very rarely mention this but uh, there is a podcast of this show and uh, it's recorded daily and offered uh, on uh, I I think if you go to our website um, a list of the shows shows up there yep and I've recently been doing some studies of the internet usage of our station. Like how many people listen um, to a podcast or a recording of some show we do, or how many listen to us live on the internet rather than over the airwaves. Um, and, 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 and where they're located in the world, it is fascinating. Just fascinating. Yeah, I think that's really neat. Now, we have we a get those numbers here. like that. Let Big me, numbers, too. Oh, yeah. Let me, let me see if this is, uh, where's the right one? Phone. Here we go. Okay, I didn't get there fast enough. I know we had a caller. And callers, I'll try to keep a better eye. We need to, uh upgrade this system a little bit so it doesn't just ring two rings and then dump you. Anyway, good morning. Tickety-poo. Tickety-poo <laughs> indeed. Yes, sir. And you talking about pecans. Hey, didn't you have a birthday in the last few days? Yeah, on the 19th. Hey, happy birthday Congrats- to you. Congratulations. Thank you. And you know what I got the best birthday gift I ever received in my life? What's that? My son, his girlfriend, gave me a baby boy. Wow. On your birthday itself? On my birthday at 8.23 p.m. that night. I'll be darned. Yeah. That's cool. I'm I'm so happy. I'll bet. Yeah, you give me a pecan pie, I'm the happiest guy in the world. (laughs) That and a, a, a grandchild. Oh, the grandchild number one. Of course. Dave, I got a good one for you. Try me. Uh oh. Why is the basketball court so wet? Oh, I got this one. Too much dribbling on it? <laughs> That's yep. it. Oh, I guessed it right. <laughs> I had not heard the story before, uh, but I just was trying to think, what is a wet term in basketball? And I thought of dribbling. Yep. Okay. So yep. I, I, I lucked out. They you know, dribbled all over it. <laughs> you know that one's on that um, that PSA that we run about kids kids jokes rule oh. dad jokes rule. Maybe bad that's why jokes. I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. There's bad another one that jokes. says, uh, "Why didn't the skeleton go to the dance? Because he had no body to go with. No body to go with. Yeah, dad <laughs> jokes rule. Okay. Yeah, that's probably why I got it so easily. That's a good one, though, Don. Hey, did you know one day last week was uh, Chocolate Pecan Pie Day? Ooh. Imagine I'd that. Ho- I would have been in hog heaven. <laughs> hog heaven. You know, where do a, where does an expression like that come from? I don't know. I think I heard that when I was growing up. Oh, yeah, I've heard it all my life, but... I don't know. Why? Are, is hog heaven better than human heaven? 
Well, when the hog's eating, he's in heaven. <laughs> yeah, well. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to give you all a good laugh to start off today. Oh. You, you do a good job. Thank you, Don. All right. Y'all have a great one. Good listening to you guys. Likewise. Hey, thank you. Good to have you chime in. All righty. Let's hey, see. Here you go. Here's an explanation. Of what? Where did the phrase hog heaven come from? Oh, you actually found one. Yeah, there is no official explanation for the origin of the term. Merriam-Webster folks say it's American and the first print reference dates to 1945. But in 1871, the founders of the town that would become Moscow, Idaho, named their patch of land hog heaven, Idaho. So the concept of... Moscow, Iowa, was it? Idaho. Idaho. Yeah. So it, it is the concept of euphoria <laughs> is older than 1945. Mm. Back in 1871. <clears throat> well, let's see here. Just short of when we were around. Cool. <laughs> Let's um let's see on this day in history let's turn to that and I always keep you busy when I do this okay in the year seventy nine okay not nineteen seventy nine just plain seventy nine Mount Vesuvius begins stirring on feast day of Vulcan Roman God of fire. Um, it goes on to destroy Pompeii uh, within a few days or so afterwards. 79 A.D. In the year 1305, Scottish patriot William Wallace is executed for high treason by Edward I of England. That occurred at Smithfield London. 1542, Rabbi Joseph Caro completes his commentary of Tur Code. He was rather critical, as I recall. 1850, the first U.S. National Women's Rights Convention convenes in Worcester, Massachusetts. 1850. 1942, the Battle of Stalingrad. 600 Luftwaffe planes bomb Stalingrad. 40,000 deaths. 1996, Osama bin Laden issues a message entitled A Declaration of War Against the Americans Occupying the Land of the Two Holy Places. Two thousand five, this is the last one on this one. Hurricane Katrina forms over the Bahamas later becoming a category five hurricane. Okay, so we got some notables here. Barbara Eden, actress, right? Yes. Today, I dream of Jeannie. I, I dream of Jeannie. Today is her ninetieth birthday. Got a nice picture of her. She still looks very nice. Okay, everybody else is um, not living. So Kobe Bryant died just, uh, what, a year or two ago? Yeah, tragic. Um, That was that uh, helicopter thing, right? Yep. Anyway, born in 1978, died in 2020. Uh, River River Phoenix. Born in 1970, died in 93. He uh, was an actor. Okay. Musician, activist. I'm not very familiar with him. Yeah, he uh, was in, uh, what was one movie he was in? I can't think of it. He was in Stand By Me, that's it. When he was younger, the uh, four boys that were walking along railroad tracks, 
is a movie set back in the 40s I or 50s. I remember it. I faintly remember yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, this is, is Louis the Sixteenth. if I have my numeral, Roman numerals right. XV1? Yes. That's it. Louis the Sixteenth. Born in 1754, died in 1793. What was spectacular about him? Anything? Louis the 16th. Let's see what we can find. Louis the 16th was the king, the last king of France, before the fall of the monarchy during the French Revolution. He was referred to as citizen Louis Capet, during the four months just before he was executed by guillotine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, all four of those people uh, were born on this date, but different years ago, of course. Yeah. I, I Sometimes we'll see these questions. Was Louis XVI a good king? <laughs> I guess it depends Could on who you talk to. Answer it? Yeah, it says yes. Okay. He was overall a good and responsible ruler with some failings. We've um, got two famous deaths. I'm sorry. I, that's all right. He was he was uh, 19 years old, and it goes on to say when most 19-year-olds today are struggling to keep up with their college lessons, Lewis had to rule a European great power. Um... How'd you like to be 19 and king of France? You know, I was going to say. I can see you sitting in a chair with no, 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 no. big don't, fans don't, don't being fed there. grapes. and. What I was going to say is that <laughs> it would be easier to do that than to do a normal thing. <clears throat> And the reason is everybody wants to be next to power and have influence. And they have their ideas and impressions and beliefs. So someone that holds that title is receiving tons of advice and recommendations. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And many of them are going to be, um, shall we say... uh, of a personal nature rather than what's best for the country or the situation, but um, that's where the leadership has to sort it out in his head. What's the reasoning behind this person's recommendation versus another person's? I would think... um, I don't know. I think I could have done a good job under that circumstance. But Gotta maybe be a not. Good leader. Maybe not. Good good businessman. And anyway. Usually makes a good leader, too. Well, I, I still question that one. I'm trying. Well, I mean, you got to. I mean, these, these times of um, the COVID thing and, and businesses that supporting us uh, being struggling themselves. Uh, we're doing our very best out here, but it's a challenge. Oh, yeah. Well, you know as well to do anything in any organization or program, you got to have the funding. Yeah. You got to have a budget. You need a decent business leader to watch over those things and you know, I'm, you know, roll with the... I'm proud that we haven't had to um, lay anybody off. There, that's the expression I was looking for. Uh, we've had a person or two that have chosen to back off, and we don't fully understand their reasons, but whatever it is, we've honored that and replaced them. But um, uh, to downsize or anything like that, we're... Maybe we should have, but we haven't, and we're looking forward to a nice recovery here soon. Yes. Okay, we had two famous deaths to mention. 
William is one is that of William Wallace. We don't really know his birth year, but we know his death year was thirteen oh five. William Wallace. I've heard this name many times. Let's see. Yeah, it just says born in twelve seventy. Sir William Wallace was a Scottish knight who became one of the main leaders during the First War of Scottish Independence. Along with Andrew Moray, Wallace defeated an English army at the Battle of Stirling Bridge in September of 1297. And then the only other famous death to mention is a very familiar name. Showbiz, Rudolph Valentino, who was born in 1895 and died in 1926, so he didn't have a very long life either. Uh, just by the, the picture they have of him here, the photograph, um, it seems to me I've heard many stories about women swooning over him, right? Uh, or being impressed with his looks. And this picture certainly would uh, be pushing that. He was nicknamed the Latin Lover. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. Where else can we go here? Did we do this? Yes, we did. Um, I've got stories here about um, states for women's equ- equality. I've got a lot of information from the New York Times about things going on. Hard news, <coughs> heavy news, real news. I got a report entitled 2021's Best City for Dog Lovers. Now, we don't have to do these all today. Um, but I also brought in our statistics as of yesterday for... Uh, the coronavirus, and particularly the Delta stuff, right? So um, I think we should get that done. Uh, Worldwide, I see a math error that I did. But to two, yeah, two billion people. Now, the world consists of just shy of eight billion people. But uh, two billion now have been vaccinated, and I mean fully vaccinated, meaning have both shots at least. Um, now, what about the United States? We're at 51% having both. In Ohio, we're at 51%. In Athens, 44%. Deaths. Uh, we've had no deaths in Athens County for several weeks. Uh, we presently have 218 hospital cases. The total number of people in Athens County that have had it at some point, that number now stands at 5,460. The recovery figure is uh, 5229. It would seem that the Delta cases don't last as long. I'm trying to find anything positive I can about it. The other thing is the death rate for Delta cases far less than that of the 
COVIDs before. Well, Dick Gaskell and others, please, I hope you don't mind my saying that. But we still need to be diligent. Mercy, do not get it. Because it, it can weaken other systems in your body, which and that weakness can last a lifetime. What I'm trying to say is you may uh, have breathing troubles the rest of your life. Yeah, they refer to those as long-term COVID effects. Yeah. Death is not the only consequence, you know. And if you do survive, you may, not absolutely, but you may have some long-term effects. Okay, well, anyway, let's see here. World population, we've got seven billion people living in the world. There are 212,000 cases uh, so far uh, in terms of um, active cases, 17 million. 920,000 cases, which means you got 190 million that have recovered. Worldwide deaths, 5 million. Not quite. That's, uh, no, that's not true. 4.5 million. I'm rounding these off, obviously. New deaths in the last day, 3,931. United States, we have 332 million people living in our nation. There were 133,000 new cases yesterday, bringing the total cases since this all began in our nation to 38 million, uh, cases. Um, I already mentioned this, but fully vaccinated in the U.S. now, 170 million people. Um, We had 859 deaths in the last 24 hours. We've had a total since this all began back in February of 20. Of 645,000 deaths. In the United States right now, you have 7,427 act. Uh, uh, let me start that number over again. 7,427,000 active cases. We also have 30 million. 472, 804 inactive cases. They've recovered. I'm sort of forgot what I've done. Did we do Ohio yet? Um, Did we I, do Athens? Yet? I don't think. Uh, yeah, we. You said something about there have been no recent deaths in Athens. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, let's do a little bit of Ohio. New cases, no, that's not accurate. Let's see, cases, active cases. Okay, so right now we have um, that's not right. Folks, I don't want to give you any bad information. I think I've uh, pulled some I did this early this morning. I think I pulled from a wrong place. So let's just go with that. So that's our report as of today. Now, and I'll get it more accurate tomorrow. Okay. Now, I am hearing so much to do about... Uh, Taliban, right? Yep. Afghanistan. 
So from the New York Times, and I think they're a reasonably good source. Um, there is no such thing as a news reporter that doesn't have their own opinion, period. But uh, I do think that they try to be... down the middle and fair. So David Sanger is the reporter this morning that uh, wrote about this. Again, this is the New York Times. We're looking at how Afghanistan fits into President Biden's foreign policy plans and how he could salvage the withdrawal. Before Taliban, before the Taliban marched through the gates of Kabul, before the desperate scenes on makeshift airlift, before a baby was passed over a barbed wire on the airport walls, President Biden had one simple way of framing his decision to end the endless war in Afghanistan. It was national interest. From him we had the quote, the United States cannot afford to remain tethered to policies creating a response to a world as it was 20 years ago. He expressed that statement on July 8th and went on to say, we need to meet the threats where they are today. It was a classic, and at the time, broadly popular, bit of real politics. America today has a lot of important interests, to name a few. Countering nuclear proliferation. Standing up for human rights. Combating terrorism and promoting democracy which George W. Bush said is his second in, he said during his second inaugural address would be the mission of the U.S. for decades to come. But, as Graham T. Allison, the Harvard political scientist, often says to students, while all of those are important, some interests are more important than others. So it is in moments like this that we find out what a president's hierarchy of priorities is all about. And Biden has been clear about his. We have an interest in facing down the terrorist threat. But that threat is no longer centered in Afghanistan. More important, he said, he meaning the president, is recognizing that strategic competition with China will determine our future. Other threats, particularly cyber threats, have also moved from peripheral to center stage. Well, the logic is hard to argue with. The China challenge is unquestionably the most important and complex problem in, in American national security, part military, part technological, part economic. And the attack on the colonial pipeline this year, well, it shut off a quarter of the fuel running up the East Coast, all of that was a reminder that a well-organized cyber t attack can do more damage than localized terrorism incident, even if it makes for less dramatic television. Had the withdrawal from Afghanistan gone as planned, with a relatively orderly return of the remaining 2,500 American troops and a relatively smooth handover of the defense of the country to the Afghan National Security Forces, 
Biden would likely be basking in praise for his Kissinger-like realism. But, as they say in the military, the enemy also gets a vote. What the Taliban have done with a brutally effective strategy that forced the collapse of the American-backed Afghan government a year or two faster than intelligence assessments had thought possible, has forced President Biden to defend his priorities. It is hard to get Americans to focus on a China strategy when their screens are filled with images of desperate Americans and thousands of Afghans who helped them over the two decades trying to get out of Afghanistan before they are hunted down. Well, does Biden's argument still hold up? Yes, but with some major caveats. To rescue his focus on the vital strategy, Biden knows he must first rescue those Americans and Afghan allies, whatever it takes. One of his closest aides uh, told him last week that the legacy on Afghanistan might be decided not on how he did in the past two weeks, but how he does in the next two. No matter how good his geopolitical strategy if the on-ground execution does not improve, the withdrawal will likely be remembered as a disaster. Okay, second. Superpowers need to be able to walk and chew on their competitors at the same time. The resources needed to deal with the Afghan airlift the one Biden on Sunday compared to the challenge of the Great Berlin Airlift of the Cold War fame, well, they are drastically different than the ones needed to compete with China or to deal with cyber attacks originating from Russia. Thirdly different. The president has to deal sooner or later with the built-in contradictions in the Biden doctrine. He has repeatedly said that the great struggle of this century will be between the forces of democracy and the forces of autocracy. This has been a bad week for the forces of democracy and a fabulous one for the autocrats. We're delighted to see America's reputation for managing the globe take a bit of a hit. While the president disagreed yesterday, history, he said, would ratify his judgment that Afghanistan was the wrong war and that the leaders of China and Russia would love nothing better for us to continue to be bogged down there. They certainly would. But avoid being bogged down is about more than getting out. It's about getting out in the way that enhances American leverage and stature. We're a long way from that. It's a tough time, folks. Tough, tough, tough. And there's lots more, and if you'd like to go to the New York Times website, we recommend it to you. Okay. Scott, you are a pet lover. Yes. Um, do you have a preference? All of them? Yeah, me too. <laughs> But uh, we have one cat and two dogs. 
Um, we've not gotten the cat and the dogs to to treat each other very well. So except for the coldest nights during the winter, the cat is in, uh, is outside. But we have a really neat house built for it and everything. But if it's really cold, the dead of winter, it's upside, it's indoors upstairs, enjoying the house. So best cities for dog lovers. We have about seven minutes remaining today, folks. Um, by the way, Sheriff Rodney Smith uh, is going to be our guest on Thursday. And there may be another guest this week, too. But uh, we know you like the free-for-all editions as well. Okay, so uh, let's see. Let's do... Um, our dogs love us unconditionally, but how well do our local communities reciprocate that warmth with devotion to our best friend, best furry friends? So this company called Lawn Starter, and they've been starting to do, you know, it looks like it sounds like a some sort of a treatment you put on your grass, but it's it's um, and for all I know they do, but they have started to do these studies, and I think they're very good. Stan Lawn Starter ranked the 200 largest cities in the U.S. to sniff out 2021's best cities for dog lovers. We measured the puppy love in each city based on 22 key factors, from as as access to dog walkers, groomers, and trainers to the sheriff canine-friendly rental properties to the favorability of dog laws. Check out the leaders of the pack and who runs, who's, and, and the runts of the litter. They're using all dog terms here. In our ranking below, following by some highlights and lowlights. Uh, so International Dog Day is August 26th. The day is what, the 23rd? So three days from now is International Dog Day. Okay, so cities. Well, I guess I didn't push the right button. I only have the top eight cities showing. So, the best city for dogs, Hollywood, Florida. Number two, Fort Lauderdale. Number three, Orlando. Number four, Pasadena. Number five, Alexandria. Used to live there. Number six, Torrance, California. Seven, Orange, California. And number eight, Tempe, Arizona. If I had pushed the right button, we would have had 198 cities to look at. Okay, now. Best cities for dog lovers. Most dog events per 100,000 residents. Most events per 100,000 residents involving dogs. Savannah, Georgia. Durham, North Carolina. Miramar, Florida. Indianapolis. Salem, Oregon. Fewest. Okay, so this these are the, uh, the lowest on the pile. Tallahassee. Clarksville. Springfield, Missouri, Miami, Baton Rouge. Okay, most dog walkers. Orlando, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Las Vegas, and Springfield, Missouri. Fewest dog walkers. Port Lucie, St. Lucie, uh, New York City, St. Paul, Enterprise, Paradise. You know, we had a friend who... Uh, has helped us with our dog, but at one point they lived in New York City. Do you know they made over $50,000 a year walking dogs? Wow. Yeah. In New York City. Okay, now, 
Let's see. What do we do? Most dog walkers. Okay, kennels. The best cities, Thornton, Orange, California, Lakewood, Colorado, Frisco, Texas, Yonkers, New York. Fewest kennels per 100,000 residents. El Paso, New York City, Los Angeles, Brownsville, and Laredo. Most dog-friendly restaurants. I guess you can take your dog to the restaurant with you. <laughs> yep. I'll be darned. Okay, well, anyway, the best one is Orlando, Florida. Laredo, Texas comes in in the bottom pile. Groomers. Orlando, Florida, again, tops. Miami, Florida, so on and so forth. Dayton, Ohio comes in fifth. The bottom group. St. Lucie, Port St. Lucie. St. Paul, Minnesota, New York, New York. Paradise, Nevada, and Enterprise, Nevada. There's uh, the best cities for dog lovers. They have a blotch over what probably is Dayton. Interesting. Well, I didn't print up the whole report by mistake. I wish I had. We're nearly out of time, folks. Once again, um... Women's uh, oh we we keep queuing up a great tune, don't we? And then we forget it, or I forget it. We well, had, we'll uh, push it to tomorrow. We had a good one, Bobby Darren. We'll let you guess what it might be called. Um, pull one joke. Pull one. If you can, we have time for <laughs> one joke. All right. Uh, Maybe two. All right. Why did the snowman pick through a bag of carrots? I give why. Because he was picking his nose. Oh. <laughs> Maybe you better do a better one. I tried to buy camouflage the other day, but I couldn't find it anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How about that one? Yeah, that's, that's not a bad one to end on. <laughs> Folks, uh, be careful out there. It is warm. Going to get up to 90 today. And um, this whole week's like that. Yes. So be cautious. Pace yourself, okay? Be good. In our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. Is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Vicki Barker in London. We have breaking news. The FDA has just granted full approval to the Pfizer COVID vaccine. Epidemiologist Ashish Jha was expecting this development, telling CBS this morning. A lot of big businesses are waiting, and with this full approval, they'll feel a lot more comfortable asking their employees to get vaccinated. After the Tennessee floods. There's just so many people missing right now, and we don't, like, it's hard to have hope. At least 21 dead, another 20 still missing, as CBS's Jesse Mitchell reports from Waverly, Tennessee. Among the missing, two-year-old Kellen snatched away from his mother and four siblings. They were on the clotheslines hanging on. It was a wonderful year. The rain fell so quickly, many people were caught off guard by the danger. Amber Elliott climbed to the roof of her car with her children. All the houses down this way.